This is another episode of the Dare to Hope podcast. Welcome. I'm your host, Keith Hinton. You know, the world seems to long for genuine heroes. We even invent what we call superheroes to help us satisfy that longing. In fact, it might surprise you to learn that a simple internet search will produce a list of no less than 100, I said 100 different superheroes that have been invented to inspire us. That longing is sometimes expressed in songs about heroes. Perhaps you'll remember one song called Holding Out for a Hero. It has been recorded a number of times since 1984, and one of the most recent recordings was by Bonnie Tyler in 2020. I'm holding out for a hero, it says, and he's got to be strong, he's got to be fast, and he's got to be fresh from the fight. In other words, he can't be a hero in name only. He has to have experienced what it is to be engaged in the battle. Well, you know, the classic battle between good and evil is still raging. And God is looking for contemporary heroes of faith to champion his cause of righteousness in our world today. He's looking for men and women who will be engaged in the battle by demonstrating genuine faith in their everyday circumstances of life. In our last episode, we began to explore Hebrews 11, the Faith Heroes Hall of Fame, so to speak, expecting to cite five things we need to remember in order to be a hero of faith in our world. In the message last time, we mentioned first the need to remember we are unique and God values uniqueness. Second, we said it is important to remember nobody's perfect, and that's okay. Listen today as we explore the last three things we all need to remember if we're going to discover the hero of faith God wants us to be. Find a hero inside of you. Remember, faithfulness is necessary. And the writer gives us three examples of, of, of the way they were faithful, how they demonstrated their faithfulness. And the first was this. They were faithful in achieving difficult tasks. And notice how easily we want to identify with these heroes of verses 33 to 35. I mean, these heroes of faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouth of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, women received back their dead by resurrection. My goodness, we say, yes, that's what I want to be. I want to be a hero. We consider them heroes for their magnificent achievements of faith. And it's easy to want to emulate them because all of us would tend to want to do great things for God, and that's okay. We should be positive, not negative. Set high goals, strive to be the best we can be, believe God for possibilities, pray big. However, we must remember that heroic achievement is not the only evidence of heroic action that's listed here for us. <clears throat> Because you see, 
Some of them had to show their faithfulness by enduring difficult situations. It's the and others in this passage that grips me. Oh yeah, I, I, I like those heroes of faith when you can do all those great things. But and others. You know, faith always leads to deliverance, but sometimes it's not immediate. Sometimes it's not man's way of delivering. And those who would tell you that the reason that you can't seem to get delivered from your situation is because you don't have enough faith haven't read these verses. I mean, let's, and others, verse 35, and others were tortured, not accepting their release, so that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated. And then God inserts his opinion of them. Men of whom the world was not worthy. Wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. Does that sound like deliverance to you? Not the way we usually think of it. Yet, listen, verse 39, they all gained approval through their faith. Think for a moment about your own situation. Something you may have faced recently that's been very difficult. Or maybe something you're going through right now. But when you compare that to what these ancient heroes of faith endured, it would be hard to think your situation is as severe as those things they experienced when they were resisting evil. And maybe that's why the writer of Hebrews says in the next chapter that we shouldn't grow weary or lose heart because we have yet to resist. We have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in our striving against sin. Some folks would tell you that the reason you aren't being delivered from your sickness or your situation is that you don't have enough faith. That's not necessarily true. Eleven of the twelve disciples suffered a martyr's death. So ponder this statement. Faith is not always deliverance from bad situations, but faith is always deliverance in bad situations. You know, Stephen. Stephen was being stoned to death. God didn't deliver him. And yet in the midst of that stoning, he looked up into heaven and he saw Jesus standing at the Father's right hand. That would have been quite an experience. Jesus is in the, is in the garden of Gethsemane and he's praying, Father, let this cup pass from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. In his humanity, he's saying he wants to be delivered from the cross. But in his spiritual maturity, he wanted God's will to be done. Others endured difficult 
situations. Now, we're still talking about faithfulness here. And the final thing in this area of faithfulness is that all of these heroes were faithful in waiting for God's timing. It tells us they did not receive what was promised. Because God had provided something better for us so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. These saints could not see the bigger picture. They weren't able to look at the circumstances from God's perspective. We can see it pretty well. You know, we look back and we can say, well, yeah, yeah, I can see why that was what God did. But they couldn't see that. It did not occur to them that their hardship was actually connected to future generations that would be impacted by their faithfulness. Verse 40 seems to indicate that they were all in this, that we are all in this together, so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect or they would not be made whole. They received many promises, and many were fulfilled, but some were not. Not the least of which, and is probably the reference here in this passage, they did not see the fulfillment of God's plan of redemption brought about by Christ's death on the cross. They didn't see that. Yet still, they sought a better country, a better city, a better rest, a better establishment under a better king. But they didn't see it all come to pass. Yet in spite of that, they died believing their faith was not misplaced and that their faith would help to bring about God's promises no matter what. And that's true for us as well, ladies and gentlemen. The ultimate better thing has not come yet. I don't have to convince you of that, do I? So we wait. We wait for the adoption, for the redemption of our body. We look for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We still anticipate the new heavens and the new earth where righteousness dwells. It's coming, but we wait. From one generation to the next, the church has passed on that faith, leaving behind a trail to follow for those who come after us. Our hardships are actually connected to future generations that will be impacted by our faithfulness. We are all in this together so that apart from them, apart from that generation, we cannot be made perfect. Or we could say it like this. We are all part of the story that God is writing, and all of us have an important role to play. And when God finally puts it in place, that last chapter, and we can see it all laid out, we'll finally see how it took all of us doing our part, being faithful to complete the story. We're all in this together. Which brings me to this point. It's the fourth thing you have to remember. Remember, others have already done it. Others have already done it. And be inspired. Someone has said heroes are everywhere. We're surrounded by heroes. Well, in the arena of faith heroes, that certainly is true. And here's how the, the Scripture puts it. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, that's chapter 12, verse 1. 
Let us lay aside every encumbrance, the sin which so easily entangles us, run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Have you been to the cemetery lately? (laughs) Most of you probably don't make regular trips there. We go once in a while. We've been there not too long ago. And it's kind of sobering to look at the grave markers commemorating the lives of my mom and my dad, my grandmother and my grandfather, several aunts and uncles, and a host of others who we knew from the church, or brothers and sisters in Christ, all of whom have impacted our lives in one way or another, including our children. It's kind of sobering. One day we were there with John, our son, and he commented that he could almost hear them cheering him on from heaven's vantage point. He was referring to the cloud of witnesses that he knew Hebrews talks about. This week it occurred to me that it's kind of like having the home field advantage. You know? You know, being at home is a pretty good thing if you're in an athletic event. It's considered good because you are actually likely surrounded by people who are cheering you on to success. There may be a few naysayers in the group, but most of the crowd is cheering you on. In the NFL, for instance, the fans of the Seattle Seahawks are often referred to as the 12th man. Why? Because they are so involved and so loud in their excitement, it's believed they can often actually make a difference in the outcome. In the discouraging moments of the game, the team on the field hears the crowd roaring and cheering them on, and it kind of gives them fresh inspiration and momentum, and so they move on with strength. In the arena of faith, we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. And the Living Bible paraphrase says, we have a crowd watching from the grandstands. I kind of like that. Only I want to suggest the people in the grandstands are more than spectators. They're more than fans. Because the word witness is translated from the Greek word martus, from which we get the term martyrs. These witnesses are not just spectators. No, no. They've been in the battle. They've fought the fight. They've suffered the wounds. They've endured the hard places. They have given it their all. And they have successfully reached the other side. And they're the ones cheering us on to victory. In my estimation, we can gain fresh inspiration and added strength on the journey when we remember that there are those who have gone before us and done it successfully. And we can do it. And one very important final thing to remember. Remember God's Spirit is the key.
Though it's not literally stated in the text we're considering today, it can be seen in other scriptural references to these biblical characters we've mentioned. Of Gideon, we read, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. In telling us the story of Samson, the writer of Judges emphasizes three times, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily. We read, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. When reading of David's life, there is Samuel's prediction in 1 Samuel 10, the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you mightily and you will be changed into another man. Well, then you read a little further into chapter 16, and what was predicted happens. The Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David. What I'm trying to help us see today is that the main ingredient for any of us being heroes of faith is the ability to walk with and rely on the Holy Spirit of God for His anointing and His power. What God said through the prophet Zechariah to Zerubbabel is still valid today. God said it's not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. The key words are by my Spirit. It's only through God's Spirit that anything of lasting value is accomplished. And to find the hero of faith inside you, remember to rely on the Holy Spirit. Now, once again, I'm reaching back into my early years, but in 1985, Tina Turner released a song in which she argued, we don't need another hero. I don't know the rest of the lyrics, sorry. I disagree with her, at least when it comes to Christian faith. I think we most definitely need as many faith heroes as we can get. So here's what I want you to know. Whether you're experiencing the best of life or living in the throes of discouragement, the key ingredients for finding the hero of faith inside you, and I'm reviewing now, remembering your uniqueness is valued by God. Your imperfections do not disqualify you. Faithfulness is necessary. Others have done it and can inspire you. And you will receive the power you need for doing what God wants you to do when you embrace and rely on the Holy Spirit of God in your life. It occurs to me that somebody here this morning might think that I'm really talking about being a hero for those who are doing monumental things, big things for God. That would be an error. You wouldn't want to take that as being the way we're looking at it today. In reality, it's more likely Heroes of faith will be faithful to God in the little things. In fact, according to Hebrews eleven five six, 6, the key thing, the main focus of faith is pleasing God. Please Him. So, your heroism is showing in the way you love your spouse. Your heroism is showing when you make your children priorities. Your heroism is showing in the way that you work for your employer. It is showing for you when you 
show kindness to your neighbor. When you treat that salesperson with courtesy, even though they annoy you, it's the little things where you're faithful that make you the hero. A hero of faith knows that God is faithful in every circumstance and can be trusted when all else fails. So go find the hero inside of you. Go find it. Find the hero that God has designated you to be and that he wants you to discover. Be a hero to your spouse. Be a hero to your kids and your grandkids. Be a hero to your extended family. Be a a hero to your neighbors. Be a hero in the community where you live. Go be a hero. A hero of faith. Would you do it? God help us. Where are you already being a hero of faith in your world? Are you being effective at your place of employment? How about the neighborhood in which you live? Or even the retailers you frequent? Are there places you could do better? Do you demonstrate heroic faith to your spouse, for instance, or to your children and grandchildren? Are you facing something right now that seems out of your control and for which you can't foresee the outcome? Maybe God is asking you to be a hero of faith in some other circumstance of life. And it certainly is easier to demonstrate that kind of faith when things go the way you think they should. But never forget the others of Hebrews 11.35, who refused to turn from God, but placed their hope in a better life to come. Thanks for being part of our podcast today. You can check us out online at daretohope.life and follow us on our Facebook page, Dare to Hope Ministries. You can send email to hope at daretohope.life. Life. Remember, God is looking for men and women who will become heroes of faith, which is one of the outcomes when we keep daring to hope in Him. Oh Christ, then.